welcome to What Have You, a podcast on pop culture and everything nerdy worth discussing. I am Anthony Keane. And I am Dasha Lasher. And this is this is the second episode, Dash. It's finally come. We did it! Um, <laughs> we have uh, we have we have ironed out kinks. We have we are gonna hopefully this is gonna be a much smoother ride than Definitely. last time. I think so. Uh, but yeah, so uh, we, we are back after a little bit of a of a hiatus due to life again um and this time we are going to talk about guardians of the galaxy 2 um as well as we're going to kind of go through the summer blockbusters that are coming our way over the next few months Uh, figure out which ones we want to see which ones we're going to give a pass on Mm -hmm, exactly but before then we are going to do a couple just like small newsy things so what was the what was the thing that you wanted to bring up well, to be honest, the main thing that I wanted to bring up, well, in fact, the only thing I remember mm. us actually deciding was really actually worthy of yeah. uh, uh, discussing was the fact that uh, that young man who wanted chicken nuggets for life <laughs> yeah. uh, succeeded in his mission of uh-huh. getting chicken nuggets for life. I actually can't remember this dude's name. Do you remember Carter? Was no, that his name? I thought nuggets for Carter name. for some reason is in my I head. I just remember Nugs. Some guy... <laughs> On Twitter, uh, as always, this thing kind of happened on Twitter. Uh, he tweeted at Wendy's, uh, a uh, fast food chain in the States, uh, that he would like to... Uh, how many retweets would it take to get uh, free chicken nuggets for life? They told him... How many was it they told him to get? 18 million. 18... Did he actually get 18 million no, retweets? No, so that's the thing. Okay, um, I was going to say. But I know that he got more <coughs> retweets than Ellen DeGeneres did on her famous Oscar Yeah, selfie. so that's the thing. So he has now become the most... Carter Wilkerson is his name. Uh, Carter Wilkerson. He is now the most retweeted person on Twitter. So he basically... Because Wendy's has a very active Twitter feed and they kind of are very kind of snarky and, 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 and reply to people. And he was like, yeah, how many for... Free nugs for life, and they said 18 million, so he sent this out, and people started picking him up on it, Microsoft retweeted him, tons of other big companies well, like I mean, retweeted who him. Who hasn't at some point in their life thought, oh, yeah. you know, I could do with chicken nuggets every day? <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, come on, it, I don't think it was it was for life, I believe it was chicken nuggets for a year. Okay, fine. Uh, but still, it's pretty know. big. Yeah, that's a lot. Uh, and yeah, and as a result, he is, he has, he kind of skyrocketed to the top. Uh, he has now got the most retweeted. I think it's something like 3.3 million people have retweeted him. And as a result of him getting the most retweeted tweet in history, Wendy's did give him, they did give him uh, f- free nugs for a year, as well as $100,000 to a charity, which is always nice to see. Yeah. So yeah, but yeah, your dreams, don't don't let your dreams be dreams, people. <laughs> you could be the next Carter. It could happen. <laughs> Absolutely. So the other thing I wanted to bring up, uh, which is slightly more pop culture, um, that's totally is, pop culture. Yeah, no, thank you very much. Okay, very pop culture. Is that uh, announced today? Actually, Judge Dredd is getting a live-action TV show, which makes me real, real happy. Have you seen Dredd? So I haven't. Oh, I know. I know, I know. Everybody tells me it's really good. I, I, Dredd, I, I man. I want to see it. I want to <laughs> see it, but I, I have not seen it. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Well, do you, okay. So the Dredd. In general, is okay. So there was Judge Dredd, the Sylvester Stallone film, of course, which was abysmal. Do, yeah, do not no, that one, that one, I actually have seen. Uh, believe it or not, no, no, no it's, it's, it's the recent good. one that I, I have not seen. Yeah, the, the recent one is, is fantastic. It's got Carl Urban in it as as Dredd, and he just goes into this apartment block. He gets locked in, and he has to go through it floor by floor, kind of like the raid. If anyone has seen the raid, and yeah, just take out these dudes, and he, it's real awesome, real gory, and it's so much fun. 
and yeah, I think this show will be really good. I do not know if I do not know if Carl Urban is on board or not. I hope he is, because he was really, really good. And it'll be nice to have a bit more, a bit of continuity. Uh, but I think it they've they've built it as like a big budget TV show. So fingers crossed, that yeah, would be yeah, good. I'm excited to see where it yeah. goes. Yeah, I, I think it probably won't come up for a while because it's only just been announced. But right. uh, soon it will happen soon, which makes me happy. So. Let us shall we shall we move on? So yes, we we went and saw Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. Yes, with many many other people. Apparently, I think it has now broken the amount of money that the first film made. Oh. I'm pretty sure about that. And uh, yeah, yeah, we did. We saw it. Yeah, what did so, you think? Yeah. Anthony? Well, that's the thing. So last time we, because obviously we had we we saw Logan and Get Out. I feel like maybe our kind of back and forth was quite. For those who haven't seen the film, a little bit unfair because it was kind of like a minefield. So I feel like we're maybe we should draw a line somewhere where we go, okay, this is what we thought of the film, and now we'll talk about spoilers. So we do non-spoilers first, and then we have a verdict, and then we go spoiler territory. Does that okay. sound good? Yeah, sure. Okay, sure. so yeah, so overall, I had a really good time. I, I really liked it. Yeah, no, I liked it a lot. In comparison, though, what did you in comparison to the first one? What did you think? So. I didn't think it was quite as good as the first one. Okay. Uh, I still liked this film a lot. Mm. You know, it's and those are big shoes to fill. You know, there are some particular reasons why uh, this film didn't work for me uh, as well as the first one. Yeah. Please understand, you know, I did like it. I would say <laughs> tell people to go see it. It's a really fun time. Yeah. Um, but there are issues that I actually think will be easier to talk about once we're kind of able to talk about the big picture of the mm-hmm. movie in the later mm-hmm. section. Um, but fundamentally... It's really funny. Yeah. Uh, it's still got a kick in soundtrack. Maybe not quite as kick in as the first film. It's tough to follow still it still kick in. It, it is really hard to follow. Because that first up. soundtrack, real good. Yeah, it was boss. And I mean, and well, this one does have The Chain, the greatest mm-hmm. Fleetwood mm-hmm. Mac song of all time. Uh, <laughs> inarguably. Yeah, I, mean, I agree. You, just, you I start agree. being wrong if you say otherwise. Uh, yeah. Um, and, uh, and it's got Baby Groot, who's fantastic. Oh man, Baby Groot's so cute. Baby Groot's the best. He's the best. I didn't realise, I was saying this to you, I did not realise how bloody small he was because obviously we like in the trailers and that kind of thing we've seen baby Groot but we didn't really see that much like the only time we'd see him would be like with Rocket and you didn't realize how tiny he's like a couple inches tall you know uh, and he has a bit of an attitude as well. He's got some serious <laughs> anger management issues. Uh, maybe because he's so small. But uh, I, yeah, really good. I think in general, James Gunn, the director, does such a good job of just making these characters so likable. And just because it, it's always difficult with these team films of making uh, make, making the characters uh, memorable and likable. And we've seen like with you haven't seen it, but Suicide Squad tried to kind of bottle that lightning and failed horrendously. Uh, and this does it, and he's come back again, and he's done it so well. And I, I always, I think it's so crazy that they've taken this franchise that should, by all accounts, be a nothing franchise for Marvel. It's so random. By all accounts, no one should kind of no one it shouldn't the first film shouldn't have been as crazy successful as it no was no one expected it to take off in the way that it did yeah you know uh, and people uh, suspected this was the end of the superhero genre exactly. it's like a death rattle like oh and now they're adapting guardians mm-hmm, of the galaxy mm-hmm. why would you even do that yeah yeah but uh, and yeah they've made these characters so compelling and for me anyway some of the most compelling characters in the marvel cinematic universe and i think that's that's so great credit to 
James Gunn as well as all the actors in it. Uh, so let's just talk about kind of a general kind of arc of this. Yeah, well, so I mean, obviously, film. just to, just on the off chance that there are people listening to this yeah. who maybe even don't know much about the plot of Guardians of the Galaxy in general. Guardians of the Galaxy is an ensemble film uh, following the adventures of uh, Peter Quill, also known as Star-Lord, who's played by Chris Pratt, uh, and his band, his motley crew Mm -hmm. of uh, various uh, aliens and life forms, um, including Gamora, the green warrior uh, woman? Uh, yeah, how else do you want to yeah. describe? What else can we say about Gamora? Well, she's, I feel shitty calling her green warrior woman as, uh, as her main descriptor. She is daughter of Thanos, who is kind of the main villain of the Marvel Cinematic Universe sure. right now. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, she's kind of skilled, raised as an assassin, yeah, and kind of go. trained from birth to yeah. kill, essentially. But yeah, yeah. she's turned away from that life of evil to kind of be free, and also she wants to totally kill Thanos, obviously. Yeah. And we've got uh, Rocket Raccoon, played by Bradley Cooper, a genetically modified raccoon who can walk on his hind legs and speak. And he loves guns. And he loves guns. Um, And we've got Groot, who in the first film was a giant tree man. In this film, he is a tiny tree baby. Um, (laughs) Baby Groot. Baby baby. Groot. He's baby Groot. Um, And you have, uh, rounding it all out, Drax, Mm -hmm. uh, played by... um, Oh, uh, uh, Dave Bautista. By Dave Batista of WWE fame, indeed. Oh, and of course, Groot is voiced by Vin Diesel, both yes. in the original and in this sequel. But he only says, "I am Groot." He only says, "I am Groot." But apparently, he has a script that tells him yes. all of the lines of what he... Groot actually says. And did you know that for all the foreign films, he went and fil- and voiced all of them in the different languages That's as well? Terrific, which is great. So good, so good. Okay, yeah, so. They saved the world in the first movie. Sorry, mm-hmm. spoilers, guys, but you know it's they been saved a while the now. Galaxy. They saved the galaxy. The Guardians of the Galaxy. It's true. Gosh. No, it's very. No, it's a very good point. You know, we can't take that away from them. <laughs> and uh, in this film, uh, th- there was a question um, mm-hmm. that hung over the first film, or maybe not hung over, but w- was raised in the first film, which was, uh, "Who is Peter Quill's dad?" That was a large part of his arc. You know, he um, was raised by his mother alone on Earth uh, as a child, and then. Uh, his mother passes away, and he, through various circumstances, winds up out in the galaxy mm-hmm. um, shortly thereafter. And he hasn't been to Earth. Since, he has not like, been to Earth 70s. since. Yeah, not since the since then, probably the eighties, actually. I think eighties. Yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah, 80s. the eighties. Um, and uh, in this film, we start to explore this question of who is his father. And the thing is, though, it feels kind of almost like you're not saying enough to just say it's about who is his father because the fact is everybody in this movie mm. gets their own little arc kind yes. of thing. Almost oh, like, I mean, yeah. it, that is what is both really impressive about the film and almost in some ways to its detriment that they pack <laughs> in so much in this movie. Every single character has an arc going through it that just describing Peter Quill's one feels yeah. disingenuous oh, to what absolutely. the movie is about. Uh, but that is the main thrust. Mm. And I think, again, like that's what makes them so, char- so compelling. The fact that they're not just going, we have to do this mission. You're kind of seeing all these little bits of them as you go along. And that just makes them so much more kind of three-dimensional characters, which, sadly, we don't see this much in other films. No, it's very true. <clears throat> it's very true. I think, in general, this film looked awesome. Yeah, I mean, they, so they cranked the colours up oh, for this yeah. one. I mean, the original is already a very colourful mm-hmm, movie, particularly mm-hmm. for Marvel, which has that kind of very set series of tones that they have to use across all of their films. Uh, That film pops. This one pops even more. You know, Mm. they've clearly taken a huge amount of inspiration from those kind of airbrushed covers of various prog albums (laughs) of the 70s to create these wild uh, planetscapes. You already had a lot of that in the first one, but again, it just, it is eye searing Mm -hmm, this time mm -hmm. around in a great way. Um, And and also just like, of the general just visuals, because obviously this is space, 
it, this isn't like Star Wars or, or Star Trek or anything like that. Marvel has a very just kind of there are alien races in space and that kind of thing. But as for the general thing, it's very vague and therefore, as a re to its credit, you see all these amazing, fantastic alien designs out there. Um, Marvel has a really great makeup effect of changing the skin color that makes it really like not uh, not kind of CG kind of effecty, like look like actual colored skin, which I always love. So you get like these really bright blues and bright pinks and gold in this in this mm. film. Uh, and, and yeah, just the alien designs are so interesting. They're so varied and it makes this whole, they don't even have to address it really. It's, it's just the fact that this is a, a world just busting with, with species of, yeah. of all kinds. And I think that really adds to it's just kind of world building that it's totally doing in the agree. background all the time. And actually, to your point about them using a large amount of practical effect work on mm -hmm. these creatures, obviously that kind of ties it into the sci-fi cinema of the of the eras that it, it is in some ways has a lot of love letters to in the seventies mm. and eighties, right? You know, both through its soundtrack, through the references that Peter Quill himself has. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it makes it feel kind of of that time. And yet very modern. Yeah. Um, no, it's great. You know, and actually there's some really wonderful sequences uh, throughout this film. Uh, you know, the camera work in it um, is incredibly dynamic. Like there's mm. a lot of these kind of long, continu fairly continuous tracking sequences. Like yes. uh, the opening of the film. Um, is this to spoilers to talk about the credit I, sequence? Is uh, that is that the, too much? Oh, no, no, I don't think so. Like the opening credits of the film? No, actually, because most of them were in the trailers. Okay, cool. Um, the opening credits of the movie features Baby Groot dancing to the song mm -hmm. Mr. Blue Sky uh, by ELO. And what's amazing about this sequence is it's a huge action sequence mm -hmm. that takes place entirely blurred in the background. Uh, almost to a fault. It's all yeah. focused on Baby Groot just mm. doing his thing up front. You know, and it, it, it sets the perfect tone for this movie. Uh, the camera swoops around as mm. these, you know, huge creatures kind of, you know, go winging by in the yeah, corner yeah. as Groot is still just kind of, you know, shaking it. Um, it sets the tone oh, as well so for the whole film, yeah. I think, because it's, you, because you, you get these films, you know, you get obviously Batman versus Superman and even obviously stuff like uh, Captain America Civil War that by far the overtone is serious dark whereas this is it you go right into the gate and you go this is a fun film it's going to be funny it's going to be colorful and i think even someone who hasn't seen the marvel films up to this point could come in start watching guardians of the galaxy and be there is no confusion yeah. it doesn't matter because they're in space and i think that sets the tone is just like sit back and you're going to have a good time yeah. essentially yeah no i completely agree mm -hmm. um and in fact so you know it is a funny movie it, i would actually argue they've cranked up the jpm really high <laughs> the jokes per minute here you yeah, know i mean yeah. i just uh because obviously the first film had a lot of gags you know mm. but in particular um i think uh drax dave batista's character yeah he pretty much every other line he has is, is a zinger of some kind uh -huh. um now it, once again, it's kind of like, most of them work. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of the time he's very funny. I will admit, when the film first started, I was a little less convinced on how mm -hmm. they were using him, you know, with the way that the script kind of flowed with his character. He eventually gains someone that he can kind of bounce off of later yeah. in the movie, which actually really sold this new dynamic for Drax for me. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, yeah, they they have made almost... A, I mean, it's not just Drax, to be honest. A mm -hmm. lot of characters have it where almost every other line is is, is a punchline of some yes, kind. Yes, yeah. There's a, there's a group of pirates called the Ravagers who are in the first Guardians film as well, and there's kind of like a second-in-command guy in there called... Uh, oh, God, what's his name? Let's see if I can find him. He's actually played by James Gunn's brother. Is that Craggle? Is that yeah, yeah he's Craglin, his Craglin, name is. that's uh, it. And also, he is quite interesting. Interestingly, uh, he is CG Rocket. 
Oh. He plays Rocket, uh, which is interesting. But uh, yeah, he's kind of like the kind of jokey, physical gags dude mm. of, the, of of that group as well. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, no, it is, very, it is very good. It is very much a joke. It, it's filled to the, filled to the bring, brim with jokes. Yeah. And, you know, like I say, I, I would actually argue that in some ways, like, it, it's a tough one. The jokes in this... I might have laughed more at Guardians 2 mm. in some ways than I did at Guardians 1. Okay. Um, but I think that the jokes were consistently funnier in Guardians 1. And okay. I think, like, as the reason that I laughed so much at Guardians 2 it was because there was kind of always a reason to laugh. Like, mm-hmm. the jokes wouldn't always be as good as each other, you know, but I would still kind of get a chuckle out of them. Yeah. But every time I laughed in Guardians 1, it was usually a pretty good belly laugh, mm. you know? Yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. what I kind of mean, where it's a trade-off they have to make by increasing the JPM, because not everything's going to stick when you take the, you know, machine gun approach, you know, <laughs> to uh, yeah. kind of studying your yeah. screenplay with yeah. uh, that many gags. <clears throat> but... It is still really funny, so mm. it feels kind of like difficult to complain too much about it. And that's the thing, I think I, like, we both love this film. It's so hard to, Guardians was this kind of totally different beast, not only in superhero genre, but in just in general, um, when it came out. And it's so hard to kind of, to take that and again, do it again, and still hit with the same kind of surprise that people got with the first one. And I think, a lot of sequels suffer from this, you know. Um, I think I described it before, kind of trying to bottle that lightning again. It's so much harder to do. And as a result, you get this this film that is so great and so fun. And because it's the sequel, it's it's like it's not quite as good because it's kind of doing the same again, but also some different stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's still good. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I actually feel like at this point, perhaps, we can kind of say, we like the movie a lot. Yeah, I was just But gonna, I think now yeah. maybe it's time to start uh, discussing mm-hmm. some of the bigger picture stuff, because I think that will actually allow me to describe... Because, like, you know, I'll be honest, I wouldn't actually say I loved this film. Okay. I would say I liked this film a lot. Mm-hmm. I loved the first one. The first one is yeah. my favorite Marvel movie, far and away. Um, <coughs> this one, I liked a lot. This one might be my second... Is it my second favorite Marvel movie? <laughs> Sorry, I, I shouldn't get into that conversation yeah, right that's now. That's a that, tough that, one. That'll take a, a while. Um, but I, I think I get what you mean, though, because I think Guardians is probably up there in one of my favorite Marvel films also. Mm. And I think this is up there, too, but I'm, I feel like maybe there are one or two other Marvel films I would rank above it. Mm. Still up there. Though. Still totally... No, probably in the top five, mm, you know? Yeah. Um, but... <sighs> The big reason why I am not sure uh, I like this film, or I felt like it succeeded quite as much Mm. as the first film, is something that's kind of nebulous and kind of annoying to talk about. Because, and I can see a lot of kind of really like kind of film critic people kind of rolling their eyes at this, but it didn't feel like it had the right level of heart to me. Huh, okay. Because here's the thing it really wants to have heart super badly, Mm. this film. Like I said, everybody goes on an arc in this movie, yeah. right? Every single character gets kind of an emotional through line. But when you try and jam an ensemble cast of not just the Guardians of the Galaxy, but yeah. their entourage, various mm-hmm. other characters are kind of attached to them in various ways, also get arcs. Yeah. So really you've got eight characters maybe who get arcs in this movie, right? And every one of them, in order to feel properly kind of earned, for lack of a better way of putting it, you need to take your time with it. Mm. Some of them, they totally succeeded with. Other ones, not so much. And, you know, like Peter Quill's main through line for me, you know, his discovery. So here's, you know, again, we're in spoiler territory. Well, that's the thing. I think think at this point, 
that's a fair point because we'll 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 expand on this yeah. in spoiler time. But I think from that point we will say, yeah, we both like the film. Yeah. We would definitely recommend you go see it. It is probably it's up there with Guardians of the Galaxy, but we still think Guardians is Guardians one is the better one. Yeah. Um, and now, spoiler time. All right. Yeah. Spoiler time. <laughs> so Peter Quill's arc is he finds his father. Mm-hmm. His father is played by Kurt Russell. Yeah. Uh, Kurt Russell is representing the character Ego. Who, the living planet. The living planet, who in the comics uh, is very specifically a gigantic a planet, planet with a face and a beard. Yeah. He is awesome looking. Mm-hmm. Um, in the film, the planet still has a face that we only see it in a couple a of shots times. kind of from space. He fundamentally has an avatar uh, yeah. that he has created in the form of Kurt Russell because, mm. of course, you'd want to look like Kurt Russell. Of Come course. On now, who wouldn't? Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he finds out that his father... Uh, is actually kind of a dick. Oh, yeah. Um, and, super uh, evil. Yeah, super duper evil. Um, and, uh, I mean, I'm truncating it, but that arc worked for me over mm. the movie, you know? I mean, I'll be honest, I kind of wish we'd had a little more time to kind of build up the idea of the search for Peter's father, because while, because I, while I said earlier that it hung over the first film, I then corrected myself, because honestly, it doesn't really. No, yeah, it's, it's, it's right at the end. Right at the end, they go, yeah. oh, you might have some information about your dad, mm-hmm. you know? But, like... There were moments in the story, and this is the one that still worked the best for me, understand, yeah. right? But moments here where I'm kind of like, I would probably care about some of the beats they're trying to insert into this story if we'd had a little more time to develop these characters in between these two okay. films. Um, because what winds up happening with Peter Quill's story is he also has this other father figure in his life. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yondu. Yeah, who was both a kind of antagonist and a... Uh, what do you call it, and an ally to uh, yeah. the Guardians in the first film, yeah. um, who was the uh, being who took Peter from Earth, um, who was actually hired by Kurt Russell um, to retrieve Peter from Earth, uh, but decided not to do so. Yeah, Michael Rooker plays him. Michael Rooker, thank you. Um, famously from Walking Dead. Yeah. And uh, what we wind up finding is that, <laughs> to cut a long story short, Yondu is really Peter's true father. So Essentially, like, he, from a kind of emotional point of view, yeah, you know, yeah. he's the one who truly cares about him. He didn't, you know, he didn't ever take Peter to mm. Kurt Russell, um, and because he wanted to save him from what he knew would be a terrible fate. Yeah. And the thing of it is, like, this film puts so much weight on this storyline, right? And it is actually a really nice story. Mm. You know, I mean, it, it ends with some really heavy emotional sequences. It's some good stuff there, but. I kind of wish we'd had more time to get to know these characters because Yondu, he's not that much of a presence in the first mm. film. And I kind of felt like almost we should know him better by the start of this film than we actually do. Okay, yeah, I kind of get what you mean. Yeah, because obviously, yeah, in the first film, uh, he's there a little. He's there, like you say, kind of as a half antagonist kind of thing. He is essentially, all you really find out is that, yeah, he quote unquote kidnapped Peter Quill from Earth. And his crew said they were going to eat him all the time. Uh, but he essentially grew up with them. And yeah, he kind of turns up to help them at the end with the with the other ravages of the first film. And in the second, he kind of, yeah, he kind of turns up again. But he's definitely in this one a lot more. But I get what you mean, because uh, there is a point when oh, there's like a like a kind of a quick flashback, a lot of a lot of different flashbacks. I can't remember exactly where. But one of the things that we see is... Yondu help like showing a young Peter Quill kind of how to aim you know and I feel like that was maybe like I get what it was doing but maybe it was kind of thrown up a little bit too fast because we didn't again we didn't have time well honestly they had to put that in there in order to fill Mm. out some of the gaps to be honest this is is part of what I mean though is it kind of felt like they 
they didn't earn a lot of these beats. You know, it felt like they needed to do that little bit more heavy lifting on it, you know, because like hmm. I... So actually, so like I say, though, I, I'm talking about Peters here, and that's the one that I actually liked the best. Yeah. The one that worked the least for me um, was actually Rocket Raccoon's uh, storyline, oh, yeah. um, which is actually tied up in Yandu's story in some ways mm-hmm. as well. Um, Rocket Raccoon in this film, he is more of an ass hole <laughs> than he is in the first film. And he is, he's, a, he is. you know, he's, he's... He, He's a dick in the first movie too, but less so. But less so, and I didn't really kind of feel underst- or understand why he was suddenly so much more of a mm-hmm. jerk in this movie. And they try and kind of spin this idea of oh, it's like a kind of self defense tactic. You know, he's had a rough early existence, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, he doesn't know how to trust people, and cliche, cliche, and you know, all this sort of stuff. And then Yondu sacrifices himself. Also, Yondu also famously kind of an asshole, I guess, you yeah, know, and he sacrifices himself and everybody's like, oh, Yondu is a great guy, mm-hmm. you know, and it shows Rocket that, oh, you know, even if you're a jerk, it's not too late for you kind of thing. You know, you, you still yeah. got your friends, they'll still come to you, they'll still remember you, all this sort of stuff. You don't have to worry mm-hmm. kind of thing. Well, they make a thing to, to draw this parallel between them. Like there is a point where he actually, Yondu literally says, you are me, yeah. you know, and they have a, they have essentially like a prison break together. Mm-hmm. And that also, kind of yeah, thing. just to say, that sequence is incredible. So cool. Another one of the visual sequences mm-hmm. with a lot of kind of continuous tracking shots. Yeah. Oh my God. Maybe we can, in a bit, we can go through yeah. some really great beats because sure. I think there's one or two bits I really want yeah. to mention. But uh, but yeah, so... Uh, so, okay, yeah, so you're right. They try and draw this parallel between Yondu and Rocket. But my problem was all of the behavior of Rocket and film just didn't feel natural to the character that I'd come to know in the first movie. It felt like they'd made him this way literally just for the purpose of being able to tell this story with Rocket, sure. uh, rather than something that Rocket had naturally kind of progressed into between the time of the two movies. Mm-hmm. You know, there was it just it didn't feel continuous to me. It felt like they'd made some changes for the purpose of uh, telling that story. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually thinking about it, in some ways what they've done, and you could argue they've done this through a lot of, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, they took elements of the first film that popped for people, like, oh, I love the snarky raccoon, right? You know, I love um, how funny it is. Mm -hmm. And they cranked it up again, right? So, you know, with the jokes, they crank up the jokes per minute. With Rocket, they crank up how much of a dick he is because people thought that was funny to see a raccoon you know, talking trash at people, mm-hmm. right? And it is funny, yeah. but it just it it just didn't work for me here. Yeah, I'm trying to think how much I kind of agree with you because I I see where you're coming from, but also with Rocket, like uh, he is kind of one of for me one of the most interesting characters because of just of what he is. Um, but I think because in the first film he is that you do see one or two kind of sensitive spots where you know he's like. He's he recognizes that he is an animal that has been experimented on and kind of turned into this thing that he necessarily doesn't want to be, and he feels that anger, especially because people have no issue with kind of insulting him and reminding him of this fact all the time. And I feel like maybe maybe yeah, kind of like a defense mechanism, like you say, but also just the fact that he he doesn't know how to function in a group. And he's like <laughs> the, the the entire time before Guardians, the only person he has rolled with is a tree of which can only say, I am Groot, you know, so he doesn't he's not used to social interaction all the time. I personally felt like maybe I like I liked his timeline maybe a little bit more than you did. I think the thing is a lot of these stories feel like payoffs to stories that we didn't get to see the first half of somehow. Okay. Like I kind of wish that, and this is again what I mean when I say I wish there'd been maybe one more movie between mm-hmm. these two. You know, we're like, yeah, we set up the idea in the first film that Rocket has these issues. They do touch on that. He has a number of moments yeah. where he kind of really does talk about it. 
but I'd love to see that kind of properly explored because it kind of felt here like he had gone through this kind of feeling and turned himself into a jerk come the end of it and had to come out the other side of some sort of crucible or that sort of thing. Okay, that's fine. And we didn't actually get to see him properly enter it, now being thrust into this new mm. group dynamic kind of thing. Because, I, I don't know, maybe because the films didn't give us any idea properly how much time had passed. Really, it's only been films. a couple months Is it literally the only supposed to be a couple months? Yeah. Well, honestly, then even more so, that feels yeah, kind of weird to sure. me. You know, so, yeah, yeah, yeah I just... Groot's still a little baby. Groot's still a little baby, <laughs> it's true. So... Yeah, I don't know. Um, that's fair. That's my fair. real problem. It feels like it's trying to do a lot with these characters. Um, and Definitely. And I think any any ensemble film is going to suffer from this to some degree because the fact that just you're trying to flesh out multiple characters in the space of one film, yeah. which is always tough. Of course. And honestly, the film still does it pretty well in terms of whipping you mm. along through the ride. Like I say, considering how much is going on in this movie, Half it has a fast. really good oh, pace. Yeah. yeah, no, it does clip along. Um, I just wish that some of these exchanges had a little more weight sure, for me. Sure. You know, it that's just, fair. It, it, that's, that's all it really was. Mm -hmm. um, but I still liked it a lot. I still thought mm -hmm. it was very funny. Yeah, well, I think uh, speaking about kind of like specific moments, I think, especially character-wise, a really great one that I, I loved was... Um, there's so, uh, so there's this character uh, called... Pom, I think Pom is her name. Yes, no, Pom's the actress. Oh, that's what name. I thought. Yeah, Mantis. Her name right? is Mantis. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's a, there's a character called Mantis who, um, essentially, uh, ego saved on his travels, uh, and she is an empath, so she can kind of she can feel your emotions, and she can also make you feel certain emotions and uh there's a bit and this is the person that drax bounces off because mm. they're both kind of socially awkward drax is very very literal and she just doesn't really know how to talk to people and there's a really lovely section when they go to ego's planet and they are kind of sitting and drax is talking about his daughter and how much she would have loved this place and we, we obviously we've heard about um drax's family in the first one they were killed by the antagonist of that film. Uh, and there is a huge amount of kind of pain that he deals with on this. But he's very stoic as it goes. And there he's kind of looking out on this thing. And, and Mantis kind of touches him, which is how she uh, kind of gets this emotion. And like you see her just kind of almost just break with, with just kind of sadness. which is And then Drax is totally just still which I really loved because you can kind of see through her, you kind of see this like inner turmoil going mm. on. And it's those kind of, and obviously, because I, I kind of get what you mean about the kind of trying to get all this heart in and not quite succeeding. But I think those moments are really fantastic. And those are the bits that do have lots of heart in mm. um, that I really liked. But other moments that I really liked, we mentioned briefly the Yondu breakout scene. Oh, amazing. Which is Such so fantastic. Sequence. So, um, yeah, uh, Rocket and Yondu get captured by the Ravagers. Um, there's like a mutiny. And <laughs> there's a very drawn out section when Yondu's like, "I, Baby Groot, I need you to get a fin like <laughs> for my head so I can control my arrow. Go get the fin. And then... Uh, baby Groot goes like 20 times and gets other things which is incredibly adorable and funny yeah. uh, and then they finally break out they, there's this fantastic song that plays mm -hmm. as essentially they go through this ship Yondu's arrow just 
just kind of pings through everyone and just killing loads Leaving of people. Leaving this trail of red behind yeah. it that are, is creating huge kind of arabesques of colour and <laughs> bodies falling in slow motion yeah, around them. It's like raining kind of bodies as they're walking down this rampart. Baby Groot even gets one. He gets like these little roots and he throws people <laughs> around. He's screaming. Uh, and there's a great, there's kind of a, a section when they go to all these, uh, like CCTV essentially. And Yondu just kind of watches the screens and the arrow goes through all the screens and keeps <laughs> taking people out. And it's so, it's so fantastic. There's it's, some yeah. incredibly invented, inventive mm-hmm. visual sequences mm-hmm. in the movie. Yeah. And I also really liked at the very end when, oh, I was going to talk about this before. Um, so Kurt Russell is Peter Quill's father. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the start, which we're seeing a lot in a lot of Marvel films now, there is a de-aged kind of time uh, flashback section where we see Kurt Russell and Peter Quill... Kurt Russell. We see Ego and Peter Quill's mum kind of enjoying life on Earth in the, I guess, 70s. Interesting, interestingly, Kurt Russell in that, in that section, only 10% CG, 90% makeup. Oh, wow. Uh, apparently, Kurt Russell has had the same... Makeup artist since like Big Trouble in Little China, <laughs> and as a result, this person knows his face. Knows how to make him look good. Exactly. So, ninety percent of it was was makeup, and only a little bit of it was CG. And That's I think impressive. it looked really good. Yeah, no, it did. I didn't even recognize him for a start, and I went, "Oh, oh, it's Kurt Russell, but young." <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so they there's a section right at the end when uh, uh, they had this big fight, and Peter Quill. And him are both kind of because they're both. He's got Peter Quill has like this celestial blood, so he has kind of power on this on this planet as well. And they're having this big kind of Man of Steel esque sky fight, which is really great. And I think just the, that whole design of like the caverns inside, so fantastic. And there's all this kind of uh, kind of like flowing rock and that kind of thing as they're flying through the air. He does also become Pac Man. At one yes, point, there is a point when he becomes a gigantic really Pac-Man, which is pretty fantastic. Yeah, must <laughs> be said. Real, real good. Uh, yeah, man. I think, and we saw a little bit more of kind of ego in Living Planet form there as well, because we had the had the face. Yeah, that's true. His which face is appears by kind of far my favorite. Within the energy thing. and in the rock. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, so good. Uh, you know, uh, they had to get ego off Fox for this film. Oh, really? Um, yeah, oh, yeah, so, they did the exchange, right, for Deadpool's uh, character. I think James Gunn had this idea since very since the very first Guardians film, and he was like, I need Ego the Living Planet to do mm. what I want to do. So they swapped they swapped Negasonic Teenage Warhead, uh, and that's why she is in Deadpool. Because uh, I think the Deadpool guys were just like, that's a really cool name, we've just got to have her. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so I think, is there anything, any any other bits that you particularly liked? I think you've touched on a lot of the really mm. big ones uh, visually. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that uh, stands out in particular. What um, did you think of? Well, you know who we haven't really talked at all about, and I feel bad, even though we mentioned her right at the start, uh-huh. Gamora and Nebula's story yes. we haven't really touched oh, on. Oh, yeah. You know, That's... and actually, going back to my whole heart thing, mm-hmm. their arc works pretty well, yes. to be honest, in part because it's it, they keep it simple. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't try and do too much heavy lifting with it, you know, and a lot of the stakes that are paying off in the storyline were established really well in yeah, the first film, true. so it didn't really feel like you needed time for this to mature more. This was the kind of resolution of a storyline that was left hanging from the first movie. Yeah. Um, where uh, Nebula has uh, a, a huge desire to kill Gamora. Um, they are sisters, both of them raised by Thanos, uh, Nebula always living in Gamora's shadow, and yeah. uh, constantly uh, having body parts replaced by, uh, with, by Thanos with machinery yes. um, every time she loses a fight to Gamora. Mm-hmm. Um, great childhood, great childhood. <laughs> uh, and 
in this, she spends the entirety of the first movie competing with her and then eventually really wanting to take her down. Mm. Um, and now uh, she, uh, well, we get some resolution to that storyline, uh, which is nice. Um, and I thought both of their performances were really solid, mm-hmm. honestly, considering yeah. they're both wearing, you know, tons of uh, blue plates and, uh, uh, you know, green yeah. skin. Um, they're actually some of the most human characters in the movie. I, I think, and I, and I think also because they didn't go too far. They were like, this kind of relationship is starting and it's going to keep developing. They didn't go like, oh, they're best buds forever now, uh, which is, you know, very human and very nice to see. And yeah, I know I agree because there's a lot of, there was a lot of kind of pain and conflict in there. And uh, yeah, I thought it was very, very well done. Very well done. Okay. Also, I just want to bring, we did talk about the alien races earlier. Mm -hmm. I love uh, the golden race of the sovereign. The sovereign. Thank you. Uh, People who have designed themselves to be perfect. Oh, yeah. um, And uh, who believe that any kind of slight against Mm. them seems to pretty much be worthy of military action against people. Huge military Um, action. The performance from, and again, we have to look up names here, but Elizabeth Debicki, who plays Aisha, the high priestess of the sovereign people. So she's the main kind of... She is the main kind of face of the sovereign people yeah, that we see in like this movie. It sounds like... Minor antagonist. Yeah, a minor antagonist to the film, uh, to Ego's major antagonist role. They are so funny um, and so full of themselves. There's yeah. some incredible sequences like them unfurling an entire, like, miles-long <laughs> red carpet, yeah. it seems, across a snowy planet in order to have a conversation uh-huh. with Yondu at one point so that their high priestess's feet never have to touch the snow. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Uh, I also love, because obviously all their ships are kind of um, uh, remote-controlled things, and the kind of command centre, they obviously did this so on purpose, but the sounds, they pro- they basically just took an arcade, like like an 80s arcade, and just took all the sound effects. Mm-hmm. So it's like, bloop, 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 and all these kind of like centipede Pac-Man noises, and they're all on little little kind of... I guess like AR kind of rig things yeah, yeah, yeah. that are that's really really great. I love that. It's very funny. Yeah, the film is so visually imaginative. I mean, mm-hmm. honestly, we could probably fill an entire other podcast just talking about <laughs> yeah. kind of moments and uh, ideas from the movie that are clever. Mm. Um, so I, you know, I mean, I feel like I kind of I feel bad because I feel like I kind of took a dump on the film midway through the podcast. <laughs> I really don't mean to because I still really liked it. You know, I had so mm. much fun while watching it. And fun is kind of the key word that I would use to describe this movie. Yeah. I probably would have used the word heart to describe the first film, though it's also really fun. This one, I would use the word fun as its predominant descriptor. I think I agree with you. I think I agree with you. I think I maybe, by the sounds of it and just general, I think I maybe like this a little bit more than you do. Uh, That's possible. Uh, But uh, to be fair, when it comes to these kind of films, like Marvel stuff, I feel like maybe I have a little bit more leniency about me. When we see DC, I'll probably be incredibly critical, uh, (laughs) just because... Because yeah, no, I think I think oh, there's there's just so many little moments in this that you can call back and remember and just so fun. Mm. Maybe something we could talk about to finish things off actually uh, is we could talk about the post credit sequences. And of course, this mm. film pushes those post credit sequences to the absolute max. A lot. It's not just one, not even just two. There are five. Five post-credit sequences in this movie, mm. uh, and uh, do we want to talk about all of them? I don't even know if I can remember. Yeah, all of them. okay. So some okay. of them were better I, than others. I think I can remember. Honest. I feel like maybe they didn't need five. Five seat was a, was quite a lot. It was funny uh, and cute. Yeah, you know. And look, I'm the kind of guy who likes to sit through the credits in a movie mm-hmm. anyway. So I, I'm always appreciative of being given yeah, that extra yeah. little bit of kind of thing to do while I'm doing it. But yeah. yeah, no, you could feel them kind of straining with some of them. Okay, so let's see. I think I might be able to remember all five. Let's okay, see. Okay. Let's test me. So the first one. 
yeah. is Kraglin, who's Yondu's kind of second in command, and he's attached to Yondu's fin to his head. He's like shaved his head, and he's trying to operate the uh, arrow. And he like flies it around a corner and stabs Drax in the in yeah. the neck. Um, oh, this is definite foreshadowing for the next Guardians film. Yeah. By the way. Well, you never know. He might be. He might be a new Guardian no, who it's has true. like I, a I'm cool more arrow. I'm more meant that Drax is just going to permanently have. Oh, an arrow he's going to have an arrow sticking. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure that's his character or arc for the next film. Kraglin will just be like dead next next uh, film because <laughs> Drax has killed him. So that's the one. Yeah. The second one is. Um, Sylvester Stallone, who is is in the film earlier, but he's kind of the leader of, of all the Ravagers, essentially. And he's kind of rejoined with his old Ravager team, who are all big Ravager captains. And he's like, ah, oh, Yondu's death has brought us all together. Let's go steal stuff. Which kind of implies maybe they're going to have their own film? I'm really dubious as to whether you're mm. going to get a whole Ravagers movie. I mean, maybe you will. Um, I could see them more having a presence just generally in the Guardians sure. movies, to be honest. Um Maybe you could do it. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, they had some cool, some good actors in there. It was pretty cool. Mm. I, I'd, I've, I'd watch a Ravagers film. I think it's that they had so many stunt cameos in those different <laughs> pilots of kind of people who were playing different Ravager That's captains true. that I don't feel like you could pull that whole cast mm. together. You know, maybe you could one. get one that focuses around Stallone. As you pointed out to me shortly after we saw the movie, Stallone did say he wouldn't actually do superhero films, yeah, right? So, yeah. you know, maybe he's willing to cameo. Mm-hmm. Who knows if he's willing to do a whole thing. Okay. That was, so that, that, is that two? That two. That's two. That's two. The third one is Baby Groot is now Team Groot. This is amazing. Yeah. Uh, which I really loved. I yeah. really, really loved. And yeah, he's like moody teenager playing video games and uh, Peter Quill comes in and he's like, when are you going to... This place is a mess. <laughs> the vines are everywhere. And he's like, I am Groot. Yeah. And he, all, he still obviously only says, I am yeah. Groot. But it seems now Peter Quill understands understands him it's true because he's like don't give me that (laughs) Uh, so that's real good which also kind of implies maybe we'll see an adult group next Guardians I think so Uh, I I would kind of hope so because I'm pretty sure Baby Groot's fun and Teen Groot would be interesting but let's have Teen Groot I think was good for that gag I don't Mm. know if we need an entire movie of Teen Groot if I'm honest uh, so number four, number four, I, I remember them all now, so I'm good. So number four is the leader of the Sovereign again. Yep. Um, and she is kind of in a real bad mood, brooding. And someone comes up to her and says, oh, the Council of the Sovereign are really unhappy that you've spent all this, all these resources trying to kill the Guardians. And uh, she's like, mm, well, they'll be very happy that I've made this new person called Adam. So I so I know who this is. Yeah, I, I looked this up yeah, as well. Because so I, so I've, read, I've read the Guardians of the Galaxy comics. Um, okay. And so he is actually a, a really major character mm-hmm. in the original Guardians comics. Um, in fact, the kind of major reboot, I think that happened in 2008, of Guardians of the Galaxy generally, which kind mm-hmm. of created the basic set that we have that inspired this movie. Mm. The major kind of plot arc of that was that the universe was tearing itself apart. Um, the fabric of reality was coming apart. And the only person who understood this was this guy called Adam Warlock, yeah. who was created by not the Sovereign, but a group called the Enclave, mm-hmm. um, who are a group of scientists. Uh, he has kind of a both antagonistic and protagonist kind of relationship to the guardians i get the feeling he's coming in the next film <laughs> yeah i think maybe because i think from what i've read i i don't think i've read as much as you vis-a-vis guardians but uh, from what i've seen he's actually more of a 
ally than an enemy to them. But maybe they'll use him as an enemy well, and then he'll turn or I something I think that like there's that. a certain point when he becomes more of an ally to them. Mm. I think that he starts to do kind of, uh, as I say, with this plot of the reality tearing itself apart, he starts to get to that kind of, I need to do anything it takes to stop this from happening. Right. And that's why he has this kind of uh, antagonistic ah, okay. relationship with them. But they eventually, I'm pretty sure from what I read a while ago that I read it, and I'm pretty sure everything works out fine. Yeah. You know, I'm pretty sure they guard the galaxy. It's all good. Okay, well, that's so that's number four. And then the fifth one is uh, this kind of second half of a Stan Lee cameo where, uh, so obviously Stan Lee has all these cameos in every single Marvel film uh, and he's usually playing kind of little bit characters. Um, but this implies there is a general fan theory that Stan Lee is actually playing the same character through every single one of these films. And he's actually uh, one of these beings called a watcher who are these kind of like, Eternal beings who just like watch over everything um, and have particular interest in these superheroes. And yeah, he's like sitting in a spacesuit on an asteroid with all these like big cloaked dudes. And they're kind of leaving. He's like, but wait, wait, I haven't told you about the bit where I was like a delivery man. And, and then he's like wandering off. And uh, which is quite nice. That's, that's quite good. And I, 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 I hope they kind of stick with that because it would that would make me happy if he was just the same character yeah, and everything. Great. Get his own film eventually. Can you imagine? People have already been talking about oh, making but a should. Stanley no, they're film. Right. Mm. They're totally it's kind of right. old now. That's why you got to do it now. They've already scanned him into the Marvel database digitally. Oh, that's that's How scary good. is that, though? That is scary. I bet that was his suggestion, though. Maybe it was. <laughs> Excelsior, I want to be in all the Marvel films. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, cool. So, yeah, Guardians. Okay, here, here's a question. What would you, like, grade this film to finish it all off? Oh, okay. Are we just doing, like, A, B, C yeah, grading? Yeah, let's do yeah, A through F. Hmm. You can do pluses and minuses mm. if you want to. Yeah, I feel like that's yeah, needed. That's uh, I'm going to say A minus. Okay. I, I had a really good time with this film. Yeah. I liked it. I would say, catch me on a good day, give it a B plus. <laughs> catch me on a shittier day, I give it a B. Okay, that's fair. I, that's what I was thinking yeah. for you anyway. Okay, cool. Okay, so we are back after a short break. And uh, now, Dash, it is so hot, Dash. It is silly hot. Do you know, I feel like it's maybe summertime. I think I think it's finally happened. And I think with summer comes so many summer films. Oh, so Do many. you like my segue? It was so good. It was so good. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, uh, you know, I'm thrilled that we actually have a summer in the UK and I'm oh, yeah. thrilled that all sorts of movies are coming with it. So, yeah, uh, so we, yeah, so we're going to talk about a couple of the trailers that are coming, that have come out mm -hmm. for these summer films and we're going to do a bit of like, what do we think of them? Kind of just do like a lightning round of them. Yeah. Uh, and we said, we said we were going to do like a kind of a, uh, we we're going to categorize them in one of three ways. So what were the, what were the three ways? They were either you go see them pretty much opening weekend. Yeah. You wait a couple weeks till it's maybe on a Saver Tuesday kind uh -huh. of day. Or you see it at home when it's okay. on TV. Um, now, of course, we haven't seen any of these films. It's entirely possible that our thoughts on them, you know, we'll go back and say, oh, yeah. you know what? We thought we should wait till we see it at home. But mm -hmm. actually, I regret not seeing that in the theater. Oh, yeah. But for now, you know, I, I think we feel pretty confident in our uh, in our thoughts on these yeah. films. Yeah. Um, so, uh, which one would you want to go for first? Right, so I feel like chronologically in order of, like, release... Yeah, not a bad probably show. the best way to go. Yeah, yeah. So I believe the first one is, is Wonder Woman. Am I right in thinking that? I think that is probably correct, because okay. yeah, we're not that far off from Wonder Woman. Okay, yeah, it actually comes out next week. Yeah. So Wonder yeah. Woman comes so out next soon. week. And we'll probably talk, we'll probably do an episode on it. Yeah. I would hope. Well, we might even um, do episodes on a lot of these. We'll see what happens. Very true. You know. Uh, I mean, I, so, let's see, because there's been a couple Wonder Woman trailers now, and I think when I first, when I saw the first one, I was like, okay, this this looks cool, 
And then I kind of, the next one came out and I wasn't sure. And now they've just released a lot, the final one, which I saw by accident, mainly because, you know me, Dash, I have a two trailer policy. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, there's two trailers and then best I can, I avoid the rest because I would rather save, save everything for the film. No, it's fair. These days, the promotional machine is scary. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you get the, the a teaser for the initial trailer. You then get the actual teaser and then you get the trailer. Yeah. That's just trailer one because in a couple yeah. months, it'll be trailer yeah. two, then a TV spot, then another teaser. It's, it's too ridiculous. Much. It's too much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, I, I think I, I, this, this came from when The Force Awakens came out. Which was like very, very special for me, yeah, for both and I, of, us, for both yeah, of course, of course, <laughs> and and I didn't want to ruin it, so I watched two trailers, and I was like, no more, keep it all for the film. So, but I watched this one by accident. You go see a film, and it's in the sure, bloody sure. trailers. But uh, <laughs> I, I am really hopeful for Wonder Woman, mainly just because I really want a DC film to be good. Would be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> it you would know, be it's really nice. been quite a while since we had a really really good DC movie. Yeah, um, yeah. And obviously, you know, as you and I have spoken about before, you know, this uh, this is a film which is the first female superhero uh, mm-hmm. lead. And it's really important that this film does well because I want to see other yeah. stories where there are lady superheroes mm-hmm. and they're not just, you know, running around doing kung fu in skin-tight outfits. Yeah, you know? exactly. I mean, no offense to Black Widow, she's a cool character, but oh, yeah. uh, come on now. Well, half the film goes, of movies in general, but also superhero films, More, it's more than half are women anyway. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. It should be good. And, you know, look, reviews so far have been very positive. Yeah. Um, Wonder Woman, of course, is directed by Patty Jenkins uh, and stars Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman yeah. returning to the role uh, yeah. after her small joint in Batman vs. Superman. Yeah. Um, it also stars uh, Chris Pine as Soldier Guy. This he's, is my official name for him. He's uh, He has a name, doesn't he? I, he is I, a character. He's the love interest. <laughs> he's he's She kind of... In the at least in the comics, I think he's he's a love interest. Steve, he's Steve. he's just called Steve. He's Steve, Steve Trevor. Trevor Steve know? Trevor. Okay. Uh, so we got Steve. Um, <laughs> just called Steve. And uh, yeah, I you know the trailers all looked really cool. Yeah. Um, I I have been feeling good vibes off this film for a while mm-hmm. now. I'm a little nervous about the fact that I have personally felt that some of the trailers have emphasized Gal Gadot in terms of her action, but have not shown her actually speaking very much in these mm. trailers. Um, and I do wonder what her performance is going to be like in terms of when she's not having to be kind of action Wonder Woman, if you know what yeah. I mean. Because there was a trailer we saw a little while ago in the theaters, not the most recent one, um, not even possibly the one that came out before the most mm. recent one, but the one before that. Yeah. Um, it almost felt to me like they were emphasizing Chris Pine as the star of this movie. Oh, I think um, I know the one like you mean. He was speaking for a good 70% of that trailer. Um, and then, but all the action scenes were of Gal Gadot, and every so often she had kind of a one-liner. You know? I get the feeling though that's maybe because, from what I know of the story, obviously Themyscira, which is for those who do not know, is the island that the Amazons live on, which is where Wonder Woman is from. And up till this point, at least in the film, I think they're totally cut off from mankind. And Chris Pine like crash lands or like washes up on the shore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's like, look at all this stuff that's going on. There's like a war to end all wars. So I feel like maybe that's just because his dialogue suited the setup trailer more. Could be he gives um, the most exposition in the movie, let's be honest. Yeah, and that's part of why that they needed make, to cut it that way. That would make a lot of sense. Yeah, so to actually get across the plot of the film, it's mainly going to be Chris Pine ex- mm-hmm. you know, explaining things to people. Yeah. You know, but it does look really cool. You know, the camera work, uh, there's some huge action set pieces that you can already see are looking pretty phenomenal mm-hmm. uh, in all of the trailers. Um, I was not a fan of their music choice in one of the most recent trailers. Uh, I, I thought it was fine. Yeah, I know. It was an Imagine Dragon 
Dragon song. I can't even remember what it's called. Heroes? It might be called Heroes because Heroes features heavily in the chorus. There's the, All I remember is there's a shot where Wonder Woman leaps out a window through the mm -hmm. air and the music just kicks in with this kind of belling voice of like, we can all be heroes kind of thing. And I was just, I, it just, I burst out laughing. I cannot I, lie. You told me this, yeah. and I watched it, and I, I really didn't notice it. Yeah, fair. That's just fair. Might have just been me. I guess I, I was one of those people who felt like World War One didn't really need Imagine Dragons as its soundtrack kind of thing, you know? Yeah, but at the same time, it's like, it's I don't see it as a world... It's definitely not a World War One film. It's a Wonder Woman film. <laughs> fair, like, fair. Like, 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 it's just like they've it, already it, got it, a cool the piece of music, America. though. Yeah, you know, I they've know, got her yeah. awesome they kicking did. theme tune with that guitar. It's, it's I just, you know, that's to me true. what they should have been using for the trailer. Okay. But you know what? I will probably see this film, if not on opening weekend, near to opening yeah, weekend. I that think is I am most the definitely same. going to be where I it am. Is, uh, it is definitely. I've got a. I've got to get in there early, Dash, so I can make my verdict on social media. That's that's how it works. It's the very key I have thing. to tell everyone that I'm happy with the DC film yeah. for once. But, you know, those who like the superhero films, looking for something hopefully a bit different from the superhero movies, there's a lot to offer here to people. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, we I think both of us are pretty excited about Wonder Woman. Um, yeah. And, uh, that's probably possibly I'm also the hopeful. one we're most excited about. Yeah, you know? I'm, I'm more hopeful than, than excited. Okay, interesting. I just want it to be good. Yeah. Okay, well, let's move, let's move on. Yeah, so, of course. Uh, the next film. What is the next film? Oh, I don't know. We were going. Oh, it is the mummy. I we? was thinking the mummy. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I, it is I the mummy. Gonna, I was like, are we going to talk about the mummy? But we are going to talk about the mummy. Yeah, we should talk about the mummy. So yeah. So this is quite interesting because especially in the past couple of days, Universal have just announced. I mean, everyone knew they were going to do it, but they have officially announced now that the mummy is the first film in their dark universe universe <laughs> um, which is all the monsters so it's um the mummy uh the invisible man frankenstein's monster werewolf is that what i don't know if a werewolf is it huh i know uh, uh and jekyll and hyde sure Do okay. dr jekyll and Mr. yeah hyde. because so let's see yeah uh oh let's see if i can remember these i, I can't remember who plays the mummy that's a real bad Thing. Good start for uh, the segment on the mummy. Yeah, um, I know. She's well, a, you know, it's not. It, she's it's a, not a film that's like leaping out. Her name is Sophia Butella. Okay, I know her by sight. Of course, um, yeah. And to be fair, let, let's be honest. The star of the film has been emphasized as Tom Cruise. Well, yeah. So he's kind of in this group, but we don't really know in what capacity because yep. uh, we haven't seen the mummy. But uh, Russell Crowe is Doctor Jekyll. Uh, Javier Bardem is Frankenstein's monster. Good casting. I um, like that one. Uh, oh god what's his bloody name Should I bring Captain up the, Jack should I bring up Sparrow the list? what Johnny Depp Johnny Depp ah. Johnny Depp is um, I think he's the invisible man mm. I think that's oh, it oh yeah we talked about this so that he can get his lines piped into him he never actually has <laughs> yeah. to be on set right you know he can just uh, you know, sit in a booth and do oh, it oh dear what a lazy man <laughs> but anyway like the mummy itself I'm not sure how I feel about this I, 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 first of all, can I argue that this film has been terribly marketed in a whole bunch of ways? Oh, really? Because, well, first of all, I had no idea that this film was the start to the kind of universal monster movie mm. uh, shared universe. I sure. knew that I'd been hearing whispers about that for a while. Always seemed like a cool idea to me. I absolutely assumed this was a reboot of the Mummy franchise starring Brendan Fraser. Well, it kind of technically is, but like, mm, not, I don't yeah, think it really. But I don't think it's half. going to be kind of connected or even retelling any Probably of that, not. you know. And also, it launched with that incredible initial trailer oh, on yeah. YouTube, where someone asleep at the wheel uh, uploaded the uh, full feature trailer for the movie, but with about seventy percent of its sound design missing. Yeah, maybe it was like maybe it was still kind of processing or, or yeah. something like that. Well, needless. To to say that's the version of the trailer that I love the most because I've seen that trailer now with full sound 
less interesting. Less interesting. Well, the only interesting thing about it, about that first trailer, was the fact that one of the only things that was actually in the sound was Tom Cruise's like blood curdling scream, which yeah. is really horrible. It was horrible, you know. It just. Ah oh, man, what a trailer! Um, if honestly, if the whole film had been done in that style, that would be an opening weekend movie for yeah. me. But it's not, and therefore, I'm going to be honest. I will probably wait to see this one at home. Um, I'm not, yeah, because I'm not. I feel like I'm, I'm probably going to end up doing the same. But I don't know. There are there are some things about this that do interest me. The fact that it's a female mummy. Mm. That there looks like some pretty groovy stuff going on. Where she's got like. Like four eyes, like, like a spider mummy kind of thing, yeah. you know. And it looks interesting, but yeah, I don't know. It's the kind of thing where it's like I would only really see that in the cinema if there was nothing else. The on. thing is, the only thing that is really interesting to me in this movie now is the fact that it's setting off this shared universe of monster. I'm movies. getting so tired um, of shared universes. I know, like I know. Well, let's that you know, let's save <laughs> that. So I think we could have a whole podcast about <laughs> shared universes. Let's save that conversation for another day. But that is fair, you know. Mm. That yeah, there are a lot of them now. I mean, I'm interested in seeing one that's not just superheroes you know yeah, that's true. um and that could be cool and you know i mean all those classic universal monster movies are really fun so if mm-hmm. they're interpreting these characters in new interesting ways i'm all for that yeah. but i have no evidence based off that trailer and bluntly a lot of the buzz around this movie to suggest that it's going to be a particularly interesting film yeah. um so as a result i think that i'm gonna wait and see on this particular movie i think i have to agree with you at the end of the day so we shall move on we shall yeah. move swiftly on this is a very slow lightning round um <laughs> what's is uh, well i've got thing. spider-man homecoming spider-man the spidery man i i'm looking forward to this film same i think it's gonna be real good however i f- mm, okay so the trailer that came out right i feel like it kind of had the whole film in it mm. i'm still probably gonna watch it and i'm probably still gonna enjoy it well, I, I really hate when that happens. Yeah, it is it is a problem with trailers, you know, and I almost wonder if that was, again, kind of them being nervous about the movie a little bit, like yeah. they had to really kind of sell people, like, no, no, we know there's been a lot of Spider-Man movies recently, come see this one, mm. look at all the stuff that's in it, you know, because obviously this is a tough thing for them, the relaunching Spider-Man again, yes, he had that bit in Captain America Civil War, yeah, yeah he was good um, in that. and he was good in that, I mean, like, I'll be honest, I wasn't totally sold on the idea of solo movie Spider-Man off that kid um, mm, okay. in Civil War, I, mean, I, I didn't dislike him, I was just like, do I need an entire movie with him but actually um in particular there was that recent um trailer they released where they had an extended version of one of the scenes that was in the trailer where he crawls into his bedroom and meets his friend who he didn't realize was in Mm. there where they he kind of has to share the secret that he's spider-man um well yeah he's still still learning Anthony. he's still learning but i thought that was a really cute scene i liked the way they did it you know um and it it was charming it made me Mm. want to spend more time with these characters I like the fact that Zendaya is playing Mary Jane. I think that that's really is she playing? Casting. Is she actually playing Mary Jane? Is she not? Or I thought is she, she playing was. someone else? Check. Um, I swear, someone was like, "She's not Mary Jane. She's another character." Oh no, you're very right. Shut my mouth, and there goes my geek cred. It is uh, <laughs> Michelle who she's playing. That really well-known Spider-Man character. I think she is from early, 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 early Spider-Man okay. comics. She was like one of his first. Girlfriends, right. okay, okay. I think from his kind of high school years, right, before okay. even Gwen Stacy, I think. Right, yeah, yeah. I mean, I might just be totally talking total bullshit. But... I don't know my Spider-Man chronology well enough to be honest. Yeah, but um, I, nonetheless, I like her being the uh, his love mm-hmm. interest in the movie. I think she's. Yeah, cool rising actress. Yeah, um, I think she's good. You know, yeah. I'm looking forward to Michael Keaton as the Vulture. Hell yes. I'm like, Hell that's yes. the most perfect casting ever. <laughs> Even, I mean, uh, you haven't seen Birdman, so I, I can't say anything about Birdman, which is really annoying. But, yeah, man, like, he's going to be so good. There was a shot that got released 
of him in kind of like a leather jacket with like kind of like a woolen kind of thing. And it looked like like a vulture's kind of rough. And I was like, oh, yes, yes. <laughs> also, just to reassure people as a reason that they should go see it in case this was why they wouldn't. Apparently, they're going to avoid doing origin story stuff in this. Oh, yeah. He's already Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. We don't need to know that he got bitten by a radioactive spider. We all know how it happened. We've seen. Wait, he got bitten by a radioactive spider. Oh, I'm so sorry, man. Oh, I'm so sorry. Spoilers, spoilers. Oh, um, but, you know, you've had six films or whatever to kind of catch <laughs> up on this idea now. So uh, we should all know how yeah. Spider-Man started. I'm going to go see this film in the theaters for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, probably pretty early in its run. Yeah, because I'm, so I'm actually too. very, very excited about that film. I'm quite intrigued to see what they like do with it. it's got heart. Which, as you know from me talking about Guardians, was oh, something that was important love to that me. Heart, I do love heart, you know? I'm just a big old softy. Oh, man. Okay. Next up is... Is that War of the Planet of the Apes? War of the Planet of the Apes. Yes, it is correct. Man, I'm hyped for this film. This is going to be real good, Dash. See, that... Okay, so Dash hasn't actually seen any of the new Planet of the Apes films, which is just like, what are you doing? I, oh, I'll, I'll was defend myself last, momentarily. What was the last I... Planet of the Apes film you saw? Okay. <laughs> was it the Tim Burton one, Dash? Absolutely was oh, the Tim Burton no. one, which is awful. Um, is and I saw bad. it as part of a double bill with um, AI, which I also really oh, no. I didn't like AI. <laughs> it was just like, I don't know if you liked AI, but goddamn, I found that movie to be intensely slow. Um, so basically, saw two films that I hated oh, in one so night, different. and it just put me off. Okay, yeah. okay. Put those preconceptions aside, because they are wrong. <laughs> Uh, you need to yeah go watch Dawn of Dawn of the Planet Dawn yeah Dawn of the Planet of the Apes is the first one and then it's Rise of the Planet of the Apes and now it's War of the Planet of the Apes Whoa. so yeah you get and the first one's kind of really lovely it's like this kind of like Caesar who's the main monkey get he's kind of like growing up with Dave Franco is it Dave Franco James Franco the James dream Franco. of every Dave monkey Franco's out the there yeah mm-hmm. and he's like kind of teaching him and he's a scientist and it's genetic <laughs> stuff then it all goes crazy Dash it all goes crazy and then Rise of the Planet of the Apes is really awesome, and it's like it's set much later. I won't give too much away because you mm, haven't seen anything. I haven't. And you know, there might be listeners out there like me yeah, who true, don't know much true. about these films. Uh, but the monkeys have like a civilization now, and the humans are kind of on the ropes, as mm, it were, mm. and they have to work together. Whoa. Dash. But now I don't know how far ahead in the future on the timeline this one is. But the humans have come back. They've an army has come, and now it's it's a goddamn war. Dash a war for the planet of the apes. So in this war, apes with guns. Dash are they going to be banana guns? Oh no, that's oh, not like oh. not the kind of style. Dash they won't like have like bags of coconuts hanging from trees that will, no like, fall because on people. it's not a oh I can't remember that era of com- of the cartoons <laughs> to make this joke. <laughs> God Look, damn it. You know, all I'm saying is, like, you want to sell me on this film instantly, you tell me it has banana guns. But there aren't any it. banana guns, because you'll watch it, you'll you'll get you'll be sitting down for War of the Planet of the Apes Dash, yeah. and you'll be like, I can't wait for these banana guns. And then there won't be any, and you'll walk out. Someone will fire a real gun, you'll be like, I'm done. You'll turn and leave. Yeah, I'm anti-violence but pro-bananas, what can I say? Anyway, look, I'm, I'm willing to be convinced. I need I need to see some of these other movies. So for right now, I'd yeah. watch it at home just because I'd watch well, all three of them at home, right? Okay, that's know. fair. Well, let's see. It comes out. It comes out in July. Right. So you have time to watch them. Oh, this is what you're going to give me as my book club, isn't it? No, thing. it's no, for, it's, for our podcast. Else. Maybe yeah. another book club in a couple of weeks. <laughs> but uh, this is look. This looks really good. It's got Woody Harrison in it. He's the main kind of antagonist from what we can see he's the commander of the soldiers i do love Woody Harrison. Um, he's fair. great he's awesome. i do love Woody harrison andy circus is caesar and it's actually been a re- he's a monkey no i know andy circus is Doing playing a CG character. really yeah wow yeah. no they've actually gone really like 
really kind of rustic, and yeah. he's just in a monkey suit, oh. and they haven't CG'd him, oh, wow. and you can just see his face. Really, but still sells it. I'm genuinely surprised by that. Like, yeah, you know, you no, all can't see. Him. Oh, it's not. Oh, okay, I, did okay. you believe me? Oh, man, I totally did. Because that's what they did in the old movies. I Maybe it was like a sarcastic. reference or something. No. Oh. No, that would be very strange. Oh, for half a second. So no, dreams. you see, because so the thing is dreams. actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, the CG is actually incredible, especially in Rise, uh, which was the last film. And it's the kind of thing you just, you just actually kind of start forgetting that it's cg because they look so realistic they nailed that fake monkey check really really (laughs) do you joke but they do and it's fantastic and i think this one's going to be interesting because in the previous ones obviously language has been an issue for them Mm. and they can kind of speak a little but in this one it looks like there's like full dialogue for the monkeys which i think is going to be really cool Cool, cool. So is this a see it like opening weekend for you? For me, yes. Okay, I really all right. Wanna, He's I'm going really for it, gentlemen, this. ladies and gentlemen. So really uh, I'll hold this. back a little bit, but oh, you know, I'll let you tell me how it is. Got to get you to watch the, these <laughs> Planet of the Apes films, Dash. Okay, next. Next up is we're, we're chugging through. I think actually this might even be the last one on our little lightning round list. Is this the last one? It's the last one I've got. The Dark Tower. Oh, The Dark Tower. Yeah, okay. Mm, so Towering over the end. Let's see. So The Dark Tower is Stephen King book. Yep. Series, I haven't right? read it. Have you I have not it? read I, uh, any no, of the books in the series. I no, um, I've had many people recommend them to Been me. Intrigued, um, and I was kind of sitting there like, "All right, this film's coming out. <laughs> I don't have to read them mm. now. I can watch the movie." But except, yeah. it's not actually a straight adaptation of any of them. Yeah. It's, is it a sequel? It's, is it it's, a prequel? Okay. Is it? Yeah, apparently it's a sequel. Yeah, but apparently the timeline in the Dark Tower is very cyclical. Mm. Anyway, right. So it's kind of a sequely prequely. It's not just the book, it's a new story from what, sure, I, sure. from what I know. But it's like Idris Elba is the gunslinger, who's this cool, like, pistol-wielding cowboy dude. Uh, and then Matthew McConaughey is the man in black, who's this, the evil dude. I don't know if he has powers. I yeah, I wonder if powers. that's going to be... Because like, my understanding is that the Dark Tower series has some kind of loose connections to, say, The Stand. Because um, I think Randall Flagg, who's oh. the villain in The Stand, is also a major villain in the Dark oh. Tower books. Um, yeah, it's mm. one of these weird kind okay. of like, shared universe things that Stephen King does. Shared um, universes! <laughs> um, but uh, I don't know whether they're even going to stick with that. There might be well be a reason they're calling him mm. Man in Black rather than Flag okay. or that sort of thing. Interesting. Um, but, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm intrigued by this movie. Uh, yeah. The trailer looked pretty atmospheric, looked cool. I have no background references That's to know whether it's actually capturing the mood of the Dark Tower. Boss, but it no, it looks really sweet. There's going to be and so many cool, like, like ways that Idris Elba reloads his gun in the middle of action. I mean, like that's we've already pretty seen much one. worth the price of admission, right? Yeah, you yeah. Know? Did you see the one that he he did in the trailer? I think he had like he has two like six barrel things, and he flicked the barrels out, and he threw the bullets in the air, and then he like like as they fell, he like moved his guns into them, and then started firing them. <laughs> It's pretty cool. It looks awesome. Is the point? I mean, I, I'm, so cool. I'm a huge fan of Idris Elba. Yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of Idris Elba. He's a great actor. You know, I I think because I don't know much about this franchise, mm-hmm. either as a book or as a film, really. So I've been trying to avoid knowing too much, honestly, which is bad because we're doing a podcast about it. But nonetheless, <laughs> you know, I, I like to be surprised. I yeah, like to know same. these things. So I will probably give it a few weeks. I'd still like to see it in cinemas, but yeah. I probably will wait and hear what the reaction is because if if same, if, it's, yeah. if it does well, you know, and people are saying good things. Yeah, I'll go check it out. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate that's not a recommendation for listeners. You know, I guess I'd say see what people we're are saying be about it. You know, we're being cautious, we're cautiously be cautious optimistic. Yeah, yeah. 
I think that's a good shout. Well, I think, yeah, we've just, those, I mean, there's a couple other things that are coming out over the summer. There's Baywatch, which is getting pretty abysmal reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, there's Transformers, which will probably just be another Transformers film. Yeah, I mean, I like the fact that it seems to have a giant, like, medieval knight Transformer. That's kind of yeah, cool. I, I, yeah, I was yeah, pretty, I thought that was pretty sword. awesome. Mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, but, I mean, there's some other stuff that's coming out, but those are the ones that we're kind of looking towards. I got actually, you know what we should do at mm. some point? And listeners, if you want this, comment and say that we should do this. Well, just tell us. A comparison of the Transformers medieval movie. And King Arthur. Oh god. Which one of them hmm. has the better movie for knights in shining armor? Could be quite interesting actually, considering that King Arthur hasn't got very good reviews. And you, and and you know that Transformers won't, won't exactly. So who is the true king? It's perfect. Okay, now I'm excited for Transformers oh, and King Arthur. Yeah, okay. No, now we have to watch them. He's changing his opinion. Oh, sorry, people. Yeah, you're gonna have to sit through our thoughts on those films at some point. Actually, you're gonna have to watch them now as well. Oh, damn it. Alright, well, so I think I think that's the that's the end of our lightning round. So now yeah. we're gonna move on to our final segment, which is what have you got? Show me what you got. One of us recommends something to the other person, and then the next episode. We discuss it. Have so. a little chat about it. Yeah. So y'all might remember last time I suggested uh, a art house series of films called The Fast and the Furious uh, <laughs> to did. Anthony. Um, now we only went up watching one mm-hmm. in prep for this section, but it was uh, not the most recent one that was in theaters. It was Fast Seven, mm-hmm. uh, which mm-hmm. is the one we watched, which is one of the best ones yeah, to be okay. honest. Um, I'll hold off because you know I'm the old hand at Fast and the Furious. Anthony, what did you make of Fast? the furious i kind of loved it right. it was really great the <laughs> thing is okay so you have to go into it going what i'm going to watch right now is not going to be particularly narratively fulfilling or it's not going to affect me on an emotional level however it's incredibly fun and it was pretty pretty damn awesome actually there were a lot of there was a lot of kind of cringy lines but from what i've heard that's pretty much just the whole part, the whole of its charm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so let's see what. Okay, so what happened in Fast Seven? So in Fast Seven, they're already a family. Dash, they're yeah. such a family. So I mean, yeah, just to say this whole <laughs> thing about family, because you've used that word family, and I have to step in there and say so. You know, many might have read that when the trailer for Fast Eight came out, you know, everyone was like, "Oh, he's betraying the family," because oh, yeah. you know, Dom, which is the name of uh, Vin Diesel's Vin Diesel. character, Dominic Toretto, uh, has turned his back on the long-running family of car thieves and various other people that he's accumulated over the course of seven films, uh, and is uh, going against them. We don't know why. My heart is still broken. I'm waiting to find out the answer. Um, but the thing you got to understand about Fast and Furious is family is a serious theme for it. I, yeah, like, I got it. Yeah, it is. But like, so many people, when they think of FF, they think of, um, you know, they think of fast cars, they think of, you know, explosions, uh-huh. they get guns going off. All that stuff is there, right? That happens. But I would argue that Fast and the Furious is fundamentally a slow motion soap opera. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you know? said this like, last Yeah, time, I did. Yeah. But in every single one of those movies, you know, uh, there is drama with like relationships. There's questions of, you know, oh, you know, you can't turn your back on family. Family is the most important thing. And family is, you know, the people who you care about and love. It's not even like, you know, who your blood relatives are. You know, it's a feeling deep down inside. Oh, you know, feel so just, passionate. Oh, man. It's, ah, oh, family. You know, you got to do the double chest thump every time yeah, well, you mention okay. it. So, yeah, in this film, let's yeah, see sorry what what happened in this one so okay so there was a, the main like the main like relationship thing here was okay so this is coming from someone who hasn't seen fast and Furious, the other film so okay so let's see dom had a wife right and he's like super loved her, and she was the best thing ever mm-hmm. and then she 
died. Is mm-hmm. that correct? Yeah. So she died. Okay. But then she came back. <gasps> she came back to life. She wasn't dead. But she was <laughs> evil? Was she evil? Uh, she was evil when they she, first yeah. found so her. So they found her and she was evil again. And they were like, oh my god, no, family. And then and then they brought her back into the family. And now this 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 episode, this film was all about Dom trying to get her... And she has amnesia as well. That's the big thing. That's even even more drama. Oh um, so Dom is trying to get her to remember like all the things from their past life. And like, ride or die. That's said a couple of times. Die. Ride or die. Ride or die. And so they like they take they take him to like a drag race place where like they used to go and everyone knows him's like, oh my god, hey, it's Dom. What's up, Dom? But things kind of get ramp up pretty quick. Because yeah, uh, Jason Jason Statham um <laughs> comes in and he wants revenge because in the last film his brother died. His brother was the lead villain in the last okay. film. He's, I think that he falls out of a plane and breaks his back. Um, okay. And so now he's like laid up in a hospital, probably sure. never going to walk again. Okay, so Jason Statham's like, I want revenge. So he yep. starts hunting down all the... Do they have a team? Or are they just called the family? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, it, it, they, it depends on who's speaking, right? Mm-hmm. Dom would call it his family. Okay. You know, The Rock, who is this oh, kind yeah, of like, like government figure officer, who yeah. is their connection to the police forces, would yeah. say, we've assembled your team, you know? Oh, he's just um, the team. Okay. But... But isn't he in the family, family as well? He is by the end of seven. I okay. think that at the start of seven, he still wasn't quite there. But I think Not by the end of seven, he's, he's family. He's like family friend. <laughs> exactly. He was a family friend. <laughs> and now he's a family member. Yeah. Okay. Family Interesting. Family and grows. Yeah. Well, I, like, I liked it. There was a lot of uh, the, lot of cool trick stunts and stuff. There is an um, incredible sequence where they are in uh, uh, the UAE. Um, where uh, oh, yeah. they are uh, stealing a car from a penthouse... <laughs> Uh, apartment at the top of uh, the tallest of mm-hmm. the of three uh, glass skyscrapers. Yeah, and yes, they drive through all three of the skyscrapers. It's cray cray, way up in the sky. Oh yeah, and it's amazing. Full speed. It's so good. It was it was pretty good. It is possibly it was, the best moment of the film. You are just so like good. you are just like how are they going to get this car out of here? And I was like, they're going to take the car apart and move it downstairs. And uh, but I was like, no, Anthony, that's that's not the fast and furious way. No, nope. they're going to drive this car out of here. <laughs> If there is a car on screen, it will be driven. Yeah. It's like Chekhov's gun for Fast and the Furious. Mm-hmm. If a car appears on screen at some point, you nice will see car. that car driving. Yeah, nice that's true. Car. If it's a nice car. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, that car will get blown yeah. up. That's I the mean, other Chekhov's gun yeah, for Fast yeah. and the Furious cars. There, there were some like things that you just kind of have to get over, like some of the cringy lines. The dialogue every, is dumb. I mean, you yeah. know, I fully admit that. Yeah. You know? Every time there's a there's a location transition, there's like a small montage that usually like five out of the six shots they use are like women's boobs and bums mm-hmm. which you know i guess if that's your thing but Look, once again I've... it's not just a soap opera writ large it's a rap video writ large. oh yeah i mean that's is. the other thing it feels like it's you know true. particularly for like in the late 90s early 2000s era of rap mm-hmm. videos like somebody watched one of those and went what if we pumped a couple million more into this rap video and just stretched it out to 90 minutes uh-huh. yeah and thus fast and furious was born <laughs> but in all i was pre- pleasantly surprised would you see more I would definitely see that. I think I'm going to go back and watch them because I've heard, I have heard that actually the series is is good. It gets a lot of flack for just like not being particularly um, culturally significant. And and it's unfair, I would mm-hmm. argue. You know, I think the early films, I can see an argument more for that. You haven't seen them, so it's harder for you to no. say. But, you know, it's around the fourth film that this franchise kind of exploded because the first three movies are basically just about car chases. You know, the family stuff is there. It's all, all mm. the seeds are being sown. But it finds a new identity around the fourth film. You know, the stunts get bigger. Um, the fourth the f- film or the fifth film? I would argue the fourth. Oh. Some people would say the fifth. Fifth is 
probably the moment when, because of the success of the fourth, everybody was like, okay, actually, it's okay to go uh, see Fast and the Furious movies, okay. you know? But the fourth film, to me, if nothing else, because they drag an entire safe through the streets of, um, I think, mm-hmm. Rio, it's such an amazing sequence. They're dragging something the size of a uh, shipping uh, crate, like, mm-hmm. you know, those kind of, uh, what do you call them, on shipping... Uh, it's just like a shipping... Like, yeah, a shipping kind container, of container, basically. Yeah. yeah, dragged behind multiple cars, getting r- dragged through the streets and bashing into buildings yeah. and knocking over stuff. It's great. You know, I would tell people to take a chance on Fast and the Furious, you yeah. know? Yes, as you say, go in with, you know, your expectations tempered, mm-hmm. you know, don't expect genius from these movies, because that's not the point. It's the a point fun is time. Fun time and the importance of family. Yeah, family for life, ride or die, Dash. Ride or die, Anthony. <laughs> well, so now it's my turn to recommend something to you. Yeah. It's a slightly less high octane than uh, Fast and the Furious. And Dash doesn't actually know what I'm recommending. I do not. And I hope you haven't already consumed it consumed not consumed it's not food okay you've probably heard of it but so we're both very big podcast people because we're doing a podcast but also we listen to podcasts have you heard have you what have you listened to s-town i haven't okay s-town is what i'm recommending you (laughs) so it was made by the people who made serial and this american life which are very much kind of true story uh kind of slice of life-esque story podcast Um, s-town is essentially about how it's a true story again and one of the writers of this american life gets a call from this guy in alabama and he basically says he wants him to come to alabama and investigate a murder because he thinks there's this big conspiracy going on um and like the police are being paid off and this guy has killed someone. But the, the guy who's calling is a watch, is a clock repairman. And he's essentially, he's very strange, but he is essentially like a hyper genius from how he's discussed. And, and because just his, his job is incredibly difficult. Mm. Like they talk about it for a little bit, but just the way that clocks are built to build, to try and repair one that you didn't make is incredibly hard. But it, it turns it, it starts off with this kind of crime investigation aspect. And then it quickly turns into this kind of slice of life story about this guy okay. and it's really great it's seven episodes mm-hmm. they're 25 minutes an episode oh, easy. easy 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 it's super interesting it's super compelling yeah maybe we encourage our listeners to listen into it as mm-hmm. well you know so that they can get the full scope of our yeah. conversation uh, and maybe but the next time we've we do a podcast you will have listened to it you'll have plenty of time you will probably will have plenty of time <laughs> let's be honest i'm very excited for that you know i've heard good things about s-town um mm-hmm. i don't know an enormous amount about it so you know that's cool to cool to hear about um yeah, no, I'm excited. Okay, Sounds good. good. That is our. That is that is us. Yes. That is that is the end of our podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Uh, oh, and uh, so you know, yeah. our opening music mm-hmm. is Garden City by Owen Bones mm-hmm. from the album Dive Club. I would highly recommend checking it out on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever you listen to your music. He's an awesome guy, makes mm-hmm. awesome music. Uh, please have a listen. And what are we going to have for our outro music, Dash? You can think about that while I do all this. So uh, we are now on iTunes. You can uh, subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or uh, wherever you get your podcast from. We are also on SoundCloud at uh, soundcloud.com slash Ycast. So yeah, you can find us all kinds of places. We have a Facebook page. We have a Twitter page, which we will uh, post up and everywhere we'll share, I'm sure. But yeah, yeah, do have a listen. Do let us know how uh, what you think of it, because obviously we're just getting our start here and we, you know, we want to know if we're 
going in the right direction. Yeah, review, like, subscribe, all that good oh, yeah. stuff. All that and, good uh, stuff. Um, I have no idea what piece of music should be ending the show, so something cool will start playing right now. Okay. Um, and it'll be the I'm best thing that you've ever heard. I'm going to go with the Wonder Woman theme song, because we talked about Wonder okay, Woman. Yeah, oh, that's pretty good, too. And yeah. yeah, it's fine. Know. There we go. It's playing now. God, I love this song. Anthony, oh, magical. That's so good. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye, guys. <laughs>